Good morning, Lakewood Anglican. Uh, it is so good to be back with you this morning. My name is Father Ewing, um, and Father Sean has invited me to once again preach in this pulpit. Um, may God always preserve this pulpit in the faith once delivered to his saints. Since I'm a flawed and sinful man, uh, we better pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, uh, in case you weren't paying attention or you came in late this morning, it is the feast of the presentation of Christ in the temple. Uh, sometimes this feast is shortened to the name Candlemas. For the ancient practice that we've already done of blessing and lighting candles on this special day, uh, there's a wonderful little write-up that I suspect uh, is the work of Father Sean uh, in your bulletins this morning about the significance of this feast on page two. And it says there that the Feast of the Presentation stands as the third of the festivals of light during this dark season of winter. Uh, at the Nativity, the first of these festivals, at Christmas, we celebrated that the light, Jesus Christ, has entered into the darkness of our world. At Epiphany, we celebrated the fact that this light, Jesus Christ, enlightens all, all the tribes and the nations of the world discover the light of the gospel and the word made flesh. And now today, on the Feast of the Presentation, we celebrate that this light of Christ is to enlighten each and every individual life, your life and my life, that our lives, your life, my life, should be one of gradual growth in the light, that we who have received the salvation of Jesus Christ by faith should regularly experience the light of Christ dispersing the darkness of our lives. And we desperately need this light of Christ, do we not? So much of our lives, so much of this world we live in seems so very dark. Uh, recently, I was heading north on I-77 the other night at about 5 p.m. The sun had just set below the horizon. The sky was that lifeless Cleveland shade of blue-gray. You all know it all too well. The concrete below was the same. And then in the middle, in between, was that dead and lifeless brown of the trees. It was like I was looking at a depression sandwich uh, right in front of my face. By this time in February, I'm ready for a little bit of springtime sun. But all joking aside, so much of our lives feels this way, does it not? We're trapped under a blanket of tragedies, the constant politicking and strife in the news cycle. Many of us struggle with persistent health issues, the loss of loved ones. The wicked seem to flourish in our midst. Justice is trampled. But most importantly, you and I are plagued by the same besetting sins over and over again. God is all too many times a distant afterthought for us. We can use some light, can't we? The scriptures this morning assure us that God is very much at the work 
intending to fill our lives with the light of the salvation in Jesus Christ, and that God invites us to bear that light and share it with others. So I want us to turn our attention to the scriptures this morning, and I believe that we find there three points, and they're alliterated because I grew up Baptist. (laughs) Preparation, presence, and proclamation. So first, the light of Christ is found in preparation. Uh, Now, in this season of Epiphany, uh, I'm always tempted to think of Epiphanies as moments of these sudden realizations, a sudden flick of the switch and the light bulb comes on. And sometimes, that's the way that God works. Uh, We can think of the Apostle Paul blinded on the road to Damascus. But more often than not, Epiphanies actually happen for those who have their eyes set on the horizon, watching waiting in patient hope for God's light to break forth over that horizon. And that's indeed what we find in our readings this morning. Look first at your scripture insert from the lesson from the prophet Malachi, verse 1. God announces, And I will send my messenger, we understand is John the Baptist, who will prepare the way before me, He comes first in the order of birth. He's born before Jesus. But then his prophetic ministry begins before Jesus' ministry. So then, only after the way is prepared, suddenly the Lord you are seeking. Again, the people's eyes are trained to look out for the coming light of Christ. This light will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. The stress here is that God will prepare his people who are to respond by preparing themselves to receive the light of God's salvation. And that's exactly what we find in the gospel lessons too. Let's start with Mary and Joseph. And this gets us to the heart of the feast we're celebrating today. Why are they presenting Jesus in the temple We find out in verses 22 through 24, Mary and Joseph are being faithful to the law of the Lord. The law was the basis of the relationship between God and his people, Israel. The law ensured that a sinful, fallen, broken people could be in right relationship with a holy God. And so Mary has come to be ritually cleansed. Um, After birth, a woman was uh, ritually unclean for a period of 40 days, and then she was to come for purification. And on top of that, they've brought the sacrifice of the poor, a pair of doves or pigeons for their firstborn. This was a substitution for a lamb uh, for those who were poor. And they're presenting Jesus, of course, not for Jesus' sin. They're not making the sacrifice for his sin but their intention that he himself would walk in the way of the Lord. He would fulfill the law that none of us could fulfill. So Mary and Joseph are walking in the way that God has prepared for his people, to prepare his people for walking with him. Now look to Simeon, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous, 
and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It's easy to read right over the significance of that small statement. By this point, Simeon is an old man. He's lived under the oppression of the Romans his entire long life. And more than that, Simeon's people, the Jews, had lived under the oppression of foreign empires for almost 600 years. It had been a thousand years since Simeon's people had been united under a good and righteous king, King David. Just think about that. That's four times the length that our country has even existed. And yet, here is aged Simeon, standing faithful, patiently waiting for the light of God's salvation. Simeon is prepared to encounter Christ. And then finally, there's Anna, the prophetess. We're told that she, as well, is very old. She had married and lived with her husband just seven short years before she was widowed. And now she's 84 years old. In her culture, Anna would have been extremely vulnerable as a widow. And yet, verse 37, she never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Despite her sufferings, her loneliness, her pain, her fragility, here is Anna drawing close to her God in worship and prayer. Anna put herself in the place. She prepared herself to encounter the light of Christ. So what am I driving home here? For most of us, epiphanies, visions of the light of God's presence and salvation in Jesus Christ don't just happen to us. They don't just come out of nowhere. The light of Christ is spotted by those who are prepared, by those who patiently wait on Him. And that's a bit of bad news for us because we live in a very distracted, disjointed, disordered age. We're constantly bombarded by screens and media, boredom, silence, waiting, all fill us with a sense of existential dread. We need to learn how to patiently wait on God. We need to be prepared daily if we hope for the light of Christ to disperse the darkness from our lives. James 4, verse 8 tells us, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. If you're hoping and banking on God to just show up one day in your life, then you're bound to miss him. Mary and Joseph, Simeon, Anna, were all prepared to encounter the light of God's salvation. And how were they prepared? Despite challenging circumstances, pain, grief, every indication that God had long forgotten his promises, they held fast. We find them in the temple. We think of the church, the body of Christ, when we draw together uh, for unity and worship and encouragement. We find them in prayer. 
We think of the great gift of our tradition, the Book of Common Prayer and the daily office. We find them in God's Word. Uh, Mary and Joseph, Simeon, both holding fast to God's Word and His promises. We find them in worship. And then what is it they ultimately find? Our second point, presence. They encounter the fullness of the presence of their God and their salvation in the Christ child. And here I want to focus on Simeon's encounter with the Christ child. Remember, Simeon is an old man. He's nearing the end of his life. He stands in a great tradition of waiting on God's salvation for over 1,000 years, and yet he holds fast to hope. And Scripture tells us that. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so led by the Holy Spirit, Simeon comes into the temple, and there he encounters the Holy Family. The Holy Spirit floods his heart and his mind with light and inspires him to recognize the Christ child as the salvation he's longed for his entire life. And now here at the end of his life, God gives Simeon the unspeakable grace of taking up into his hands the greatest hope he holds. Simeon holds before his face the long-awaited salvation of Israel, Jesus Christ. And then Simeon bursts forth in praise. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles and to be the glory of your people Israel. Simeon erupts into praise because the full presence of the Lord has visited him in tangible, physical presence in the Christ child. The lesson from Hebrews hammers home why this is such good news, that the full presence of God is manifest to us in Jesus Christ. Starting in verse 14. Since, therefore, the children, all of us, share in flesh and blood, he himself, Christ, likewise partook of the same things, our own flesh, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and high, faithful high priest in the servants of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. God took our human nature so that he might present be present to your every struggle, every pain, every loss. God took on our human nature so that he might stand with Simeon and all those who long wait on God's salvation. God took on our human nature so that he might stand with Anna and all those who stand alone and vulnerable on the edges of society. 
God took on our human nature so that, that he might stand even with his parent, Mary and Joseph, his protector, who in their poverty offered two doves instead of a lamb. Jesus stands with those who grieve. Jesus wept over Lazarus. Jesus stands with those who suffer bodily. He was crucified on the cross. Jesus even stands with us sinners. Because though he was without sin, he bore the weight of our sin on the cross. In Jesus, God is perfectly present to all of us in our need. And we may have cause to praise more yet than even Simeon. Because we have the privilege to look back on all that Christ has done for us on our behalf. And we know and believe that the human body with which Jesus was present with us on earth, he has taken to the right hand of his Father in heaven where he ever pleads your case. And he's not left us empty-handed either. Jesus is present to us every time we gather together to celebrate the Eucharist. And with outstretched hands like Simeon, we receive the Lord who gave himself up on our behalf to save us. Many of you know uh, Simeon's song of praise well as the Nunc Dimittis, the song of Simeon. And our Anglican heritage has preserved it in the prayer office known as Compline. It's the last prayer office of the day. Uh, so in other words, it's our bedtime prayers in the Anglican tradition. And I think that it's just beautiful spiritual wisdom that the tradition has placed Simeon's song in prayer at the end of each and every day of our lives. Because just as Simeon ended his earthly pilgrimage praising God in an encounter with God's presence in Jesus Christ, so you and I should end each and every day of our lives with the same. Praise that we should each and every day encounter God's presence in our lives through Jesus Christ. Well, finally, third, God's light pours forth in proclamation. And we see this in both Simeon and Anna's responses to their encounter with Christ. Simeon was, responds with his great song of praise, but then he also proclaims truth to Mary and Joseph, revealing more about Jesus' identity, that Jesus would be a sign and a cause of division amongst those who would embrace him and those who would reject him in Israel. And then he prophesies for the first time Jesus' death as the sword that would pierce his mother's heart. Anna, likewise, responds in proclamation. Verse 38, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. God invites each and every one of us to bear his light into the world. And I can't think of a more rewarding calling to be placed with the privilege of being the one to bear the light of Christ to the Simeons and the Annas of the world who are desperate and hungry for God's consolation and salvation. But look, 
Preparation is the ground for the encounter with the presence of God. And an encounter with the presence of God flows forth naturally into proclamation. In other words, if you are not waiting on, God's, on God in faith and hope, if you are not responding to God in prayer, seeking out His will in the Word, then it's not likely that you're going to encounter His presence in your life. And if you're not regularly encountering and experiencing God's presence in your life, then your proclamation is going to lack the authenticity and urgency that the world is looking for. I think that a lot of us, when we approach evangelism, proclamation of the gospel, end up bogged down in strategy and approaches and programs and style. Am I going to say the right thing? What are they going to think of me? But the proclamation of the gospel in in the New Testament always, always springs forth from the transformative experience of an encounter with God's presence in Jesus Christ. Uh, Lakewood Anglican, I know that there are good conversations happening about setting aside this next year for the purposes of outreach and evangelism. Uh, I hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag there. All right, I'm good. Um, And this is a good and laudable thing, and I look very much forward to joining you in that endeavor. But as you light your candles, signs and symbols of the light of Christ, as you meditate on God's Word during the rest of this Epiphany season, as you draw near to God in prayer and worship, I pray that you encounter God's presence powerfully each and every day of your lives. And then, changed, transformed by God's saving presence, enlightened by the light of Christ, that you are empowered to proclaim him to those who are searching for God's light out in the darkness of the world. But more than anything, my prayer would be that each and every one of us When we, like old Simeon, come to the end of our lives in old age, we might be able to say with him, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles and to be the glory of your people Israel. Amen. Amen.